Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 7th. James is out, but I'll be here instead with today's top headlines. Here are three stories that should be on your radar. Number one. The Trump and Biden presidential campaigns now see the coronavirus response as the preeminent force shaping the results of November's election. And according to advisors of the campaigns, this has prompted both camps to try to refocus their campaign efforts more heavily on the pandemic. My colleagues Yasmin Abutaleb and Josh Dossie report that advisors to presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden see the COVID-19 crisis as perhaps the clearest way yet to contrast Biden with President Trump. The Biden camp can use the stumbling response and renewed surge in cases as ways to paint Trump as uninformed, incapable of empathy, and concerned only about his own political standing. Trump's advisors, by contrast, are seeking ways to reframe his response to the coronavirus, even as the president himself largely seeks to avoid the topic because he views it as a political loser. The Trump campaign is sending health officials to swing states, putting doctors on TV in regional markets where the virus is surging, crafting messages on an economic recovery, and writing talking points for allies to deliver to potential voters. The goal is to convince Americans that they can live with the virus, that schools should reopen, professional sports should return, that a vaccine is likely to arrive at the end of the year, and that the economy will continue to improve. White House officials also hope Americans will grow numb to the escalating death toll and learn to accept tens of thousands of new cases a day. Trump campaign officials and advisors recognize that the administration's coronavirus response presents one of their biggest political challenges in the coming months, as voters generally disapprove of Trump's handling of the virus and the push to reopen. Voters do give Trump higher remarks than Biden on the economy. Faced with some of Trump's tide of problematic comments of the past, the administration also plans to rely mostly on surrogates to speak on the issue, including Vice President Pence and White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Deborah Birx. Several advisors said Trump is still shell-shocked by the faltering economy, by protests over racial injustice, and by his declining political fortunes. Some close to Trump, including a range of Republican senators, have encouraged him to focus on blaming China for the pandemic and to emphasize the administration's successes, including preventing a widely feared ventilator shortage and increasing the country's testing capacity to 500,000 tests a day. Biden, meanwhile, has ramped up attacks on Trump's response and outlined how he would place the federal government at the center of the response if he is elected. That's a contrast to Trump's decision to largely leave it to the states to procure testing kits, personal protective equipment, and decide when and how to reopen. Polls have shown Americans growing increasingly worried about the course of the outbreak. A Gallup poll released Thursday found a new high of 65 percent of Americans saying that the coronavirus situation is getting worse. That's up from 48 percent the week before. And Trump's approval rating has steadily slipped since March. In a Washington Post average of polls, Biden led Trump by 11 points in June, up from an eight-point lead in May and a six- to seven-point lead between February and April. Number two. Data released by the Small Business Administration Monday show that private equity-backed chains and companies owned by members of Congress received money from the Paycheck Protection Program. The money also went to almost 90,000 employers that either said they would not retain any jobs or did not say how many they'd retain. My colleagues Jonathan O'Connell, Aaron Gregg, Stephen Rich, and Anu Narayan Swamy report that large chains have received millions of dollars that they appear to be keeping, which could rekindle questions about whether large companies, 
with Wall Street connections, should accept the money or not. Initially, dozens of publicly traded companies returned money after receiving millions of dollars from the program, but then being told by Treasury that the program was not meant for large, well-capitalized companies and that they should return it. Several members of Congress are also benefiting from the loans, including some who were directly involved in shaping regulations and others who benefited from a blanket waiver of ethics concerns for some federal officials seeking loans. Meanwhile, dozens of tenants of Trump's real estate company also received money, the latest in a series of instances in which Trump's company and his government role have overlapped. At 40 Wall Street, an office building Trump owns in Lower Manhattan, 22 companies received loans for a combined total of $16.6 million. Businesses leasing space in three Trump hotels received money as well. The Trump organization was not barred from receiving PPP funds, but officials there have said they would not seek any money directly. Although experts credit PPP with knocking down the unemployment rate from historic highs by requiring borrowers to spend most of their money on payroll in order to have their loans forgiven, questions still remain about how the program has impacted jobs. Number three. A backlog of eviction cases is beginning to move through the court system as millions of Americans who had counted on federal aid and eviction moratoriums to stay in their homes now fear being thrown out. My colleague Renee Merle reports that a crisis among renters is expected to deepen this month as the enhanced unemployment benefits that have kept so many afloat run out at the end of July and that $1,200 per adult stimulus payment that had supported households earlier in the crisis it becomes a distant memory now. Meanwhile, enforcement of federal moratoriums on some types of evictions is uneven. Experts warn that judges' efforts to limit access to courtrooms or to hold hearings online because of COVID-19 could increasingly leave elderly or poor renters at a disadvantage. According to an analysis by the COVID-19 Eviction Defense Project, of the 110 million Americans living in rental households, 20%, 20% are at risk of eviction by September 30th. African-American and Hispanic renters are expected to be hit the hardest. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 7th. Stay safe and thanks so much for listening.